Welcome to Wine Wednesday. I'm your host, Mary Beth. Let me guess, you're the one who always brings the wine, loves to talk about the deep stuff, and may or may not struggle to keep your stories on track. (laughs) Well, that's me too. This podcast is all about digging into life and talking through common struggles. We're not here just to commiserate, but to encourage and inspire each other. So go ahead and pour yourself a nice glass of wine, get cozy, and let's catch up. What is up, party people? (laughs) Happy Wine Wednesday. I hope you've had a great week. I just wanted to chat a little bit. Um, I haven't had a lot of things pop into my mind about what to do for, for episodes, like what to talk about. And so I was just thinking, you know, earlier today, like, dude, I should... I need to figure something out, right? And one of the things that I thought was interesting was, um, like, attracting and repelling. And this was more kind of, like, under the surface of my consciousness, I guess. It's not something that really, like, popped out at me. But when I was thinking about what I should talk about, it came to mind. And I do think, like, it's a powerful concept, right? And it's something a lot of people aren't comfortable with, I think. So I thought it would be fun to talk about. A really powerful conversation about attracting and repelling, I actually heard on Jenna Kutcher's podcast, Gold Digger. I don't remember which episode because it was so long ago, but that's how you know it was good, right? the some of the ideas discussed still stick with me and the, the concept is definitely something that I've kicked around a lot in my head especially like and maybe it's just like the people I attract <laughs> but it feels like a lot of my friends are like we're people pleasers we have these tendencies and like we're, we're working on it but we're either like recovering people pleasers or like were people pleasers or still are struggling with that. And it's really, I was gonna say interesting, but it's sad how we, it's so easy for us to lose ourselves. We're, we tend to be really good at figuring out what other people need and being that for them maybe even before they ask. We're really good at like reading the room, reading the situation and being able to tell what I can do to get a positive reaction or acceptance from you. I think a lot of it is probably trauma informed I don't know if there are any people pleasers out there who, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's probably potential where it could be completely trauma informed, but I don't know. And I'm not a doctor. I'm just here to talk about it (laughs) and hear what you think. So that seems to be like a common ground, right? And then on a broader scale, I think a lot of us, have maybe like a fear of rejection 
not like, probably <laughs> a fear of rejection. And a lot of times those either go hand in hand or they just ex exponentially like work with one another. And then on top of that, you have the societal expectation of just being socially acceptable, easy to get along with, um, not difficult, um, go with the flow, don't rock the boat. These are all common things we hear that shows kind of attitude, society's attitude towards people who aren't interested in kind of smoothing things over with other people or pleasing people or aren't concerned about being rejected. That's kind of the, the squeaky wheel, right? In a negative sense. So there's definitely layers that, that speak to us and that influence us throughout our years to fearing rejection and wanting to fit in and wanting to kind of be part of the status quo. Considering like what we're talking about tonight, it might be surprising to hear me say that like I don't think that's completely bad. You know, I think that for a society to work, we do have to care to a certain extent what other people think, um, to care about other people. Because if we don't, <laughs> right, we can be, what's to stop us from stealing from other people, hurting other people? You know, so I think that there has to be some kind of balance. And our brains like to categorize. We like to be able to put things into boxes. And so I think we're built a little bit for it to be easy for us to want to fit in and want other people to fit in. We want to categorize people so that there's not all these rogue humans running around doing whatever they want, not following society's rules. And we don't know what our brains, you know, don't know what to make of it. We don't know what to think. And we don't want to know what the norm is because everybody is doing their own thing and there's no pattern. Um, I think it would be a little bit exhausting for us to process every day. But I also think it gets out of hand talking about everybody doing their own thing and not being able to categorize people like having it be exhausting to do what you feel is right every moment instead of what's expected how much more energy does it take to stop and think is this the best thing right now is this the best thing for me, for the people I care about, for my body? Is this the best thing? It could be exhausting because I'm just thinking of like the infinite decisions you could apply that to. And decision fatigue is a real thing. Like uh, I read a book about willpower that talks about decision fatigue and like we get tired of making decisions. And so that's another reason I think that our brains like to kind of categorize and we like to just follow the norms because it's easier and you get less worn out, less fatigued. 
because you could ask yourself that, like, is this the best thing for me? A million times a day, right? Do I call into work or do I go to work? You ask yourself that every day. Um, do I, what time should I leave at today? Do I want to be early? Do I want to be on time? Do I want to be late? What's the best thing for me? Do I want to shower? Do I want to wear this? Do I want to wear that? Do, what do I want to drink in the morning? Do I want to start with water? Do I want to start with coffee? Do I want to start with tea? If we didn't have like routines and expectations and we made these decisions afresh every day, every moment, we would be exhausted. But I think that it's really easy to carry that out into things that we should stop and ask ourselves before we just go with our routine, go with what we normally do, go with the flow. And I think next week I want to talk a little bit more about, about our routines because I've been trying to establish a morning routine. <laughs> and so we'll talk about that next time. But coming back to the decision fatigue and the people pleasing and um, the fear of rejection. We're so, we get so focused on fitting in and following expectations and following norms. Um, we could benefit by asking ourselves if that's what we really want. I think more often. And especially in terms of people pleasing. In order to even like get to that point, you have to have enough self-awareness. We have to have enough self-awareness to even ask that question. If I'm so conditioned to just doing everything that is expected of me, everything someone in a position of authority wants me to do, um, everything anybody wants me to do to not upset them, then I may not even realize when I have a choice because I've conditioned, I've been conditioned or I've conditioned myself to just do the, the socially acceptable thing or the people pleasing thing or the go with the flow, don't rock the boat thing instead of taking a step back and making those decisions sometimes. So like so many things, self-awareness I think is really the beginning of that where we're able to acknowledge those moments where we do have a choice and ask ourselves, is this a situation where I want to do the people pleasing action? Or is this a situation where maybe I want to push back a little bit or take a stand? And you can't die on every hill. So I think that we wouldn't necessarily be able to go the opposite way where instead of going with the flow and the easy thing, we're always opposing and we're always um, disagreeing and going against what's expected and constantly full of surprises. I mean, nothing's impossible. We could, right? <laughs> Sounds exhausting. <laughs> But it wouldn't necessarily be the best thing. I, but that would take away the decision fatigue, right? Do whatever is the opposite. Um, and it's the answer, like, it's the answer to everything that nobody wants to hear. 
It depends. It depends on the situation. We have to we have to make those decisions ourselves. Oftentimes in the moment, sometimes we can plan ahead for them or create a like guardrails based on our values and what we're willing to put up with, what we're willing to tolerate, what's important to us, who's important to us, who we're going to just go along with, and who we're willing to stand up to. So all of those things like can help create an outline for when we would spend some extra time questioning whether we want to do the expected thing or not. So kind of bringing it in from broad, abstract, people-pleasing, societal expectations to repel and attract. It kind of pinpoints more to our relationships, right? And who we're attracting and who we're repelling. And it's really important like we talked last week like the people around us do impact us they influence what we think is possible they influence what is normal in our circle um, so it, it does matter if you surround yourself with people who support you and who think you're amazing and who think you can do anything you set your mind to you're gonna have different experiences different emotional reactions than if you surround yourself with people who question your ability, who maybe undermine your goals with concerns or just being realistic or straight up doubt. It's, it's a completely different experience. So it is important. So how do we find those people who are gonna build us up? How do we find those people who are gonna support us? How do you find somebody who thinks that you can do anything you set your mind to? That's hard, especially if you don't have anybody in your life like that. It can seem impossible. You can think, like, you might think those people don't even exist. For a while, I did. I was like, who is so naive to just be like, oh yeah, whatever you want, you know, whatever you set your mind to, just, you can do it. Just work hard and, and do the things and figure it out, but like you can do whatever you want. It's just a matter of doing it. There was a time in my life I didn't think those people existed. I thought anyone who had that kind of person in their life, like it was their mom. And you know, she was just being nice because she had to, because she's your mom. I can tell you now, those people exist and they are the best people to be friends with. <laughs> okay so find them hang on to them and then try to be them right we need so much more not just I was gonna say positivity but not just positivity like fluffy everything's gonna be okay this toxic positivity crap like not that like true positivity like, hey man yeah if you really work your butt off you can do anything you set your mind to. You can figure it out. Everything is figure outable. There are people who are doing what you want to do. You can do it too. There's resources and 
guides and education to get you pretty much anything you can imagine. So yeah, if you want to do something very realistically, you can. And as your friend who's being positive and supporting you, I totally believe that you can. I'm not saying that you're going to wake up tomorrow and just be that, that these things are going to fall in your lap, but you absolutely can put in the work that it takes to accomplish those goals. So that's what I mean by like positivity that's not silly and fluffy. <laughs> Your realistic positivity, right? True encouragement and empowerment. Like fake toxic positivity is not empowering. It's it's trash, honestly. It's just it's those little styrofoam packing peanuts. Like there's nothing to it. <laughs> you can't you can't take it to the bank. Like it's nothing. But True support is a lot more than just that airheaded positivity. So <laughs> I think I would have to do an episode on like not being positive because it's my favorite topic. So we know that who we have in our lives is important. We know that supportive, positive people exist. I checked. So how do we get them in our lives? Right? Well, I would love to hear from you on this, you know, like, is that something that you've intentionally done? Are those people that you've intentionally searched for or intentionally tried to become? Have you stumbled across some of those people? Are you naturally that person? Like, I would love to hear more about your perspective and your experiences with just people who support people. People who are good friends to have. And how that attraction worked. How you got, how they got to be in your life, how you got to be in theirs. I think that'd be really cool. My perspective, because, you know, <laughs> I'm the one with the mic. So, <laughs> until I bring somebody else on the show, that's what you get. I don't think that those are just like, like there's this type of people, one size fits all, that there's positive supportive people. I'm just narrowing it down to those traits because they're easier to focus on for the sake of repetition versus everybody else. And so we have to like search out the few people who are going to support us and who believe in us. And, you know, they would just believe in anybody. They believe in everyone. And we just have to get to them first and, and be their friend first before they run out of room on their dance card, you know? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think we have our people. And some people are our people, and other people are not our people. It's like, who's it, Seth Godin that talks about tribes? Like, you just, not everyone is for you, and you're not for everyone. And that's good. And the sooner we realize it, the better our lives are going to be. <laughs> because it makes it easier to accept letting people go who aren't a good fit and making room for the people who are. These people aren't 
a certain type and they're not it's not the same people for everyone so you have to find your people and that's where attracting and repelling comes in if you are pretending to be someone or acting like someone or people pleasing to the point of not being recognizable or doing everything that's expected of you to the point where your individuality isn't observable. You're either going to attract people who support that kind of person and you're probably going to end up feeling like they don't accept you for who you really are. You might not even be comfortable showing who you really are. Because you already know what they appreciate about you. And so you can deduct what they wouldn't. So if I'm pretending to be this girly girl who, you know loves pink and glitter and unicorns and princesses, then I'm probably going to attract friends who like those same kind of things, right? Like, think about how we make friends. We usually find something in common or we're in proximity, so we're doing the same thing, which usually means we either have similar obligations or interests. And people really bond over things they don't like. So if you really don't like, I'm trying to think of the opposite of girly, you know, tomboys or I don't know, goth or people who are black, um, then you'll probably bond over that, what you dislike as well as what you do like. Like, oh my gosh, you have the cutest pink glittery shoes and purse and it matches and I love it. Where did you get it? And then you're talking and you're making a friend over what you have in common or what you're pretending to have in common. Because maybe that's not your authentic self, but you're attracting people who are interested in that. And they think they like you. And only you know that they don't actually like you because they're not actually being you. And so then you have this whole undercurrent knowing that, oh my gosh, they don't like me for who I really am. They might not even like the real me. What, what would happen if they found out what I'm really like? Would I lose my friend? Would they even like me? And all those things are valid. Maybe not. Maybe they would. Maybe they're faking it too, you know, who knows. But we get ourselves in these situations where we're afraid to lose the people in our lives because we attracted the wrong people with whatever mask we've been wearing. And we, we put those masks on for a lot of reasons. And usually they're justified. You know, sometimes it seems like a really good reason. And sometimes it's even because subconsciously we know that we're attracting people who don't know the real us. And so then when we're worried about them not liking us or the friendship ending or them losing interest or us being rejected, we have that buffer of knowing that, well, they're not rejecting the real me because they don't know the real me. So 
if they reject me or if I lose a friend, then it's not really that big of a deal because they were never a real friend. And we build in that buffer into our relationships. To avoid rejection. And then we end up with fake friends who think we're someone else. And if they do find out who we really are, we might get rejected anyway. Because they were attracted to a fake version of us. We're so afraid to put the real version of us out there because we're worried that that will be rejected too. And I'm not gonna lie, it might. And it does suck. Not that anyone would ever reject me, but. <laughs> and it does hurt more than when your image, someone rejects the image you've portrayed. But what we don't talk about enough is the people you attract. And then later down the road, as you build yourself up, that rejection hurts less. And it happens sooner, which helps it hurt less also. So picture it as a journey where I've had fake friends and I've been putting on this mask and putting forth a version of me that I think is what society wants and attracting friends who, who are attracted to that, who like that, who like that mask, who like that version of me. And it's not the real me. And then I go through you know, so a personal growth journey and I'm figuring out who I really am, who I really want to be. And I'm working towards that becoming who I am and being, taking that mask off, being who I am, evolving into a version of me that is closer to my true self. I say it that way because I feel like we're always like, evolving and society will probably always have some kind of influence on how we present ourselves to the world but I do think like as we grow when we go through phases we get closer and closer to who we either want to be or truly are probably the same person you know so as you're growing through that journey right maybe you're shedding some of those friends who were attracted to the prior version of yourself or your mask or the fake you and you're losing some of those people because they're starting to see the real you they're starting to see who you are without the mask and maybe they don't like it and that's fine because they never really liked you because they never knew who you were and as soon as they found out who you were they were no longer interested. How much time and energy and effort do we put into our 
acquaintances, friendships, relationships from the point of the mask to the point where the mask comes off and you realize they don't accept me for who I am. How much? Depending on, on who you are, you know, me, my friends, like a lot, a lot. And for what? So why this is so important to me is I want to, I want to save you the time and the energy and the heartache. Like it is hard to put your real self out there and it sucks to get rejected, but it's the only way to live. It's the only way to live. When it, there is nothing like having a friend who knows who you are and accepts you for who you are and believes in Knowing, like, you're trash. Knowing what you really like and what you really don't like. And that, you know, maybe you don't understand pop culture and you think it's a waste of time. You know, they still love you. <laughs> like, those are your people. And you feel so much more alive with them. And you feel so much more yourself with them. Because when you're authentic and you attract people, to your authentic self that connection is so much deeper and then you have the freedom to continue being your authentic self and it is a completely different experience of relationship than when you don't take that mask off and once you have that once you have the real thing a real friendship once you've found your people, now you have a standard to compare these other situations to. And it really helps solidify when we're losing a fake friend. We're really not losing anything. And even in an emotional sense where we feel the loss, it, it is lessened, I think, once we can have that standard of true friendship to measure it against, of real acceptance, of knowing people, having a tribe, people who accept who you truly are, and then seeing someone who's never known who you really are, not accepting when you take that mask off. You're not losing anything because you never had them. They were never a friend because you never let them be. So you're not losing anything. Yeah, think about that. Um, but what's really cool is it's such a powerful experience having people truly connect with you and truly accept you. That I think that's, at least for me, that starts to be what you value and what you crave. And then it empowers you to be more yourself. I think sometimes it's like, so if you're not like crazy outgoing, right? You're not super extroverted. 
you might have like a buffer period, right? You're at a party or whatever, and usually you sit in the corner by yourself for a little bit, and you kind of people watch, and you warm up, and, and you figure out the situation, and then you dive in, and you start talking to people, right? I think a lot of the times it can be like that. You know, we realize we have a mask, and we want to take it off, but we still kind of want to vet these people. And so we'll leave it on when we first meet people. We'll leave it on through maybe, you know, a lot of our acquaintanceship. And then we'll start to take it off and see if that person is a friend. And I think that works. We use that a lot for self-protection. You can also get to the point where you're not really wearing that mask to start with. So then you're vetting people as acquaintances. You're vetting people as soon as they meet you, just by the energy you bring. When you don't have the mask, somebody sees you coming and it's actually you, they can decide whether or not they want to stick around by the time you get to the handshake, you know? And the people who don't like you, who aren't interested in you, who are not feeling your vibe, they'll usually get out of your way or, you know, pretend they don't see you or whatever and save you a lot of energy of even deciding if you want to be their friend. So what this boils down to, sorry, I try to keep these episodes like decently short because I'm ADHD and like listening to somebody talk forever is not what I'm about. <laughs> and I feel like this expanded the more I got into it, but I don't want to keep talking your ear off. So <laughs> I do want to kind of give us something to chew about on this is a good thing. We're saving so much time and energy of attracting and repelling people, maybe even before we meet, and getting, increasing our chances of connecting with people who are going to get us, our people. So I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to repel. You're just getting those who aren't your people a wide berth. So you can get a little more focus on the people who are more likely to be your people. So don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to repel. And if you have any stories to share about how you've tried this or situations where you've seen this at work or even how life-changing it is to have awesome friends who support and encourage you, I would love to hear about it. Um, and until next time, happy Wine Wednesday. Cheers. Have an awesome week. Hey.